Blog Talk Radio. Ladies and gentlemen, good afternoon. The Nepalese Meditation Bowl is chiming, and that means it's time for The Art of the CEO, the show for people who enjoy the challenge of business and who want to do it a little better. I'm your host, Bart Jackson, the Hieronymus Bosch of business, and every Tuesday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, The Art of the CEO streams magically through the mightily misunderstood realms of cyberspace, where you may listen and download it by visiting blogtalkradio.com slash the art of the CEO. That's blogtalkradio.com slash the art of the CEO. We invite you to listen and explore for your benefit. And whether you are the head of the National Rowing Association trying to spread the inestimable benefit of pure sport like Chris Groot, or the senior VP of First Choice Bank trying to give entrepreneurs their much-needed first break like Tom Russo, we're here to bring you the Sage Council of Business Masters to help your career and your ventures. And today's episode is entitled... Forget strong and fearless. Try selfish, scared, stupid, and human. And helping us how to really understand how human uh, employees and customers really do behave, we have the iconoclastic pair Dan Gregory and Kieran Flanagan, founders of the Impossible Institute. Let me try that again. The Impossible Institute. Yes, okay. But anyway, today we're going to stop viewing Homo sapiens as idealized, logical thinkers and rational actors. And we're going to begin trying to deal with people as the good Lord honestly made them. Folks who survive by being a little scared, a lot selfish, and stupid when it is called for. And no, I am not talking about our current upcoming elections. But before we start giving you a reality check for your business communications, why don't we take a moment out here to supply you with a few utensils for today's Feast of Wisdom. First, as I always do, allow me to remind each of you hearing my voice that the good Lord has gifted you with the title and privileges of Chief Executive Officer of yourself. Now, that's the most important position you'll ever hold in your career. So I ask, will this be the day that you stop trying to please others and doing what you perceive others may want you to do or what you, uh, or what you or are you, will you continue and will you continue to do what you know is best for you, or are you going to continue to act as if pleasing other people was somehow in your own best interest? The choice is truly yours. And as a second utensil, it's time to dip into a little laughter and take a scriptural recitation from the 101 Best Business Quips book, which I am thumbing through as we speak. Here we go. Here we go. Okay, this is number 22. <clears throat> My consultant told me I needed to get more personal with my employees, so I had that guy from HR fetch me a list of their names, a quote from every boss. And as an afterthought, let me just note that most symphonic conductors address their orchestra members by their instrument, a third trombone. But Maestro Jacques Lacombe always addresses his fellow musicians by their first names. Wouldn't you rather make music for him? Just a thought. And as a third utensil... Perhaps we should call today's uh, utensil the upside-down cake spoon. Right now, we will give you the answers to last week's business quotation. And today, before we leave the air, we will broadcast another quotation, and we invite you to email us the name of the author, as you believe him or her to be. Simply write down the name and mail it to info at bartsbooks.com. 
That's I-N-F-O at B-A-R-T-S-B-O-O-K-S dot com. And if you are correct, we will send you a marvelous gift, freshly disemboweled from the dungeons of Bart's Books Bookstore. So, the author of last week's quote, that is the individual who said, You have enemies? Good. That is the ultimate status symbol. Everyone at the top gets attacked sooner or later. <laughs> was spoken by none other than the top business talent recruitment agent, Miss Sharon Mann. That was a that was a toughie, and uh, not many people got that one. But anyway, now let us dig into today's feast of wisdom and find out how people really are built and how we can best relate to them from the wise and very profitable gospel of Dan Gregory and Kieran Flanagan. Dan, Kieran, how are you both doing today? Really good. Very well, thank you, Bob. Oh, good. Well, I'm so glad that that you can make it, jetting around from hither to thither. And, um, Kieran, I understand that originally you were, you were both advertising execs, and that's where you sort of cut your teeth on the tough nut of human behavior. Uh, could you fill us in a little bit on what brought you to creating the iconoclastic Impossible Institute? I, I uh, sure can, but, you know, Dan and I had uh, our own advertising business for quite a number of years, and as we mm. built that business, and it was extremely successful, we grew a little frustrated that we couldn't make enough of an impact through an entire culture of a company, that a marketing okay. campaign seemed to end at a point. And, you know, we could promise mm. a lot mm. in a marketing campaign, but we couldn't always deliver that for the customers and for the people who worked in the company. So we wanted to build a, a better company that could affect change at, a, at an entire cultural level and at a behavioral oh. level. So we created the Impossible Institute. Well, that's that's a very it's a fascinating uh, tale, a route of, of reaching there. Well, now, Dan, I understand that the Impossible Institute is based in both Sydney, Australia, and in the fantasy land of Los Angeles. Uh, so is this what encourages you to take all the accepted wisdom concerning sales and motivational technique wisdom and put it on its head? <laughs> well, well, certainly we, we do get a bird's eye view of the world as we spend most of our time flying over the Pacific Ocean. Um, <laughs> but, but I think, you know, what what really excites us is actually looking at what really drives human behavior because I think there's a lot of... Hmm. There's a lot of pop psychology around, and a lot of a lot of pithy wisdom that sounds good, but isn't necessarily reflected in our results. And right, right. so, what what we look to do is actually no. Let's dig into the truth of what's motivating people. Let's look at have a look at what's really going on for human beings. And and you know, I mean, we've we've all heard the maxim: learn to walk a mile in another man's shoes. I think that that's yeah, that's yeah. a really terrific piece of advice. But I don't think we do it particularly well a lot of the time. No, no. Well, I think it's very difficult, frankly, too, uh, because I think most of us have this really true basic belief that the other man really is stupid to walk the way he does. But uh, and, and and we have everything right. And, well, and, I, and conversely, that we're not stupid. Yes, right. <laughs> yes. Well, I, I you know. Dan, so many of us have, have read the, you know, the, the Peter Drucker ideas and, and those of his after druids, which all sort of cast business uh, co-workers and customers as in this sort of idealized Grecian statue form, you know, folks who always act logically and 
um, act rationally and, and know the Pythagorean theorem. And but but you're telling us that this isn't so, and, and it hasn't been so since the dawn of the Neolithic flint chippers who were struggling to survive. Now, is that right? Yeah, I think I think what we've done is we've denied, you know, a part of our um, our essential natures that doesn't that doesn't look that good on paper. Um, and mm-hmm. it's, it's, it's you know a, there's a lot of stuff that we agree with in Peter Drucker's work, and I think certainly you know his push for more more human management style is is is, is certainly up there. But I think I think when when we think about human beings, we need to think about the totality of the human being, and oh, okay. uh, and actually okay. being. Being selfish, scared, and stupid is actually a really natural way to feel. In fact, it's a survival instinct. <laughs> looking out for number one, looking to mitigate risk, looking for a simple, easy solution is actually a winning formula. It's just that oh. you know those three words don't sound very good, and as a result, we tend to we tend to resist or or or, or else deny that part of ourselves. And and when we deny you know a, a hmm. huge part of our being in our strategies, that can get us into trouble. I I think you're you know I think you're really right. We're we we work to be holistic, but in case it's in most cases it's more lip service and practice. Uh, Kieran, just for to take one of your elements, let's talk selfish. Now I know you and I and everyone listening here was brought up under the altruism myth. I mean you know religious leaders, parents, teachers, everyone constantly keeps preaching at us that it is more noble and much much more better to do anything that helps anyone else rather than helps ourselves. And you're saying, well, we survive because we are selfish to look out for number one. Okay, I I buy you. So now let's say uh, you're a new CEO and you've got this new vision. And so how are you going to convince selfish little Bart to buy into your vision with his whole heart? (laughs) It's an excellent question. And, you know, it's something leaders face every day in the corporate world. Well, you know, our people are constantly disengaged. They hate what we're doing, you know, performance is dropping, and what do we do about it? And so often we try to motivate them and we try to inspire them and we try to change them. You know, if they just Mm -hmm. only could do this, we could fix that. And we say, well, no, 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 hang on. Who they are already is perfect. You know, who human beings are is capable of amazing things, but we're also capable of being really average most days. So if we were going to, you know, actually get you to uh, buy in, we say, well, focus more on what's in it for you than what's in it for us. You know, how do we find out what, what you value, what you're motivated by, what you get out of bed in the morning for? You know, it could be you want to spend more time at home with your kids. So offering you a holiday or offering you a pay rise or a promotion may not get you to buy in. What might get you to buy in is extra time off when your kids have a little league game. So we look to align their values with our goals. Oh, okay. You know, ladies and gentlemen, this is a a quill pen moment and Kieran has said it it's a timeless truth so I'd like you all to take your pens and dip them into the inkwell and scribble this down the mankind humankind uh, every one of us is really very good as we are we don't need changing we the and the manager or leader who's going to win is the one who works with people as they are so thank you for bringing that up and uh i'm i'm glad you did dan let's, I think, let's I think try let's really try true. something else uh, yes yeah. yes dan i was i was just going to say that that a, a lot of the time in in management you know we, we you know particularly those of us in leadership positions 
We become so obsessed with micromanaging and making people show up the way we want them to show up that we actually <laughs> deny them their full potential. And, and that's what we're really looking to do is actually, you know, let's align our goals with their values. Let's unlock their potential. Let's allow them to bring their, their entire selves to work. And that's actually good for us as well. Mm. I th- I'm, I'm glad you said that, and it's a, you know, one of the things that I, I see this. There's this whole message of motivation. We now have uh, uh, college preparation coaches that that will set you up to be right for college. And the message this sends, the message that these managers are sending, is that you aren't good enough as you are. Well. As as a young student, that may make me depressed, but you tell me that as a grown-up adult employee, and I'm not depressed. I'm ticked off, and I'm not going to work for you. So mm. I, I'm glad you brought that up. Dan, I was wondering if we could if we could turn to clients now, and if if you and I could play used car salesman. Uh, you know, we've <laughs> okay. all read the, the text. <laughs> this is great. Uh, we've all read the text of, of about you know uh, the, the diatribes, the sales diatribes that, that say. Uh, once you win my personal trust, you know, you can sell me the Brooklyn Bridge and it'll all be fine. Um, and I'm just saying, I, I'm, I'm going to ask you to show me what, what's a more human and a, a, perhaps a better way to do it. Let's say I'm, I'm 45, 45 years old. I'm an incredibly ambitious, uh, I'm an accountant. I'm a professionally ambitious accountant, and I've got my eye on the CEO's chair, and I have a wife and 2.2 school-age children, meaning that I've got some money, but there are, you know, there are limits here. And so I come onto your lot, uh, and I, I'm looking for what I need. How are you going to launch into our, counter, our encounter? What are you going to do? Okay, well, well, that's an interesting question. I mean, I, I'm sort of wondering how ambitious you are that you're walking onto a used car lot, not a new car lot. Uh, <laughs> oh, yeah. so, I just want to uh, make it tougher for you. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, uh, but look, I, th- I think one of one of the most interesting things because you know we work with with sales teams all the time, and typically, if you walk onto the sales floor of of it doesn't matter what business or what industry you're yeah, working, okay. typically the wrong person is doing the talking, and and I think mm. one of the things we try and stress to people is that. The sale is not in the product, the sale is in the prospect. In other words, the more you can understand who that person is, but just as importantly who they aspire to be, the more you can help them, again, as Kieran was saying, meet their goals by aligning with their values. So if you think about how human behavior works, you know, we, uh, you know, we started off in the 1600s with Blaise Pascal and decision theory. And Pascal's theory was right. that human beings were incredibly logical. We look at all the, the, the options, we weigh up the pros and cons, and then we make a logical decision. Well... Right. That that didn't show up, and then we uh, <laughs> then we had a look at um, you know people like Daniel Goleman came along and said well it's actually about emotional intelligence you know we we buy emotionally and 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 certainly right. you know every decision we make is filtered through through how that decision will make us feel. But what we oh, actually yeah, look at do the stock market right now. Yeah, <laughs> we, we we actually buy in alignment with who we think we are. In other words, our belief right. systems, okay. uh, or, or you know even even down to something like patriotism. You know that's that's a belief system. You know, there's, mm-hmm. there's 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 essentially nothing genetically different between, you know, Kieran and I who were born, you know, on the opposite side of the world, and and an American person, but you know, we still filter the world differently because of you know that 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 identity basis. So I think the most important thing in any sale is to understand who this person is, and that comes uh-huh. from asking questions, understand who uh-huh. they hope to be, and then help them get there. I say, okay. I think that's, I think that's a nice path, and I, I, I really think that's far superior than for me to try and 
blither at you and pound what a trustworthy SOB I happen to be uh, is, I think, for me to listen to you. And it, it comes down to the, and how may I help you, sir? Uh, mm. Is what you're really doing for them. I, I think that's it's, it's great. I'm happy to hear that. And uh, well, it's, that, it's that, that old that old saying that people used to say: if you want to be interesting, be interested. And and I think that's that's yeah, that yeah. still true today. And if I could add just one little take on that myself, and that is that listening is not shutting up. Listening is an active uh, process yes. in which you yes. ask questions, you probe, you inquire. It is not keeping your big bazoo shut and letting somebody ramble. So I'm sorry, that's (laughs) enough of my soapbox. That's just a a thing of mine. (laughs) Kieran, you mentioned uh, in your insightful book, by the way, selfish, scared, and stupid. And you, you should you should read this. It's it's a barrel of fun and and uh, has a great deal of insight. Anyway, we are all. You say that we're all laden with fears, both rational and irrational ones. And this this makes it a handy tool, um, but uh, meantime in management we we like the fast decision makers. We 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 give promotion to the fast decision makers. Uh, so when you're talking to management, how do you sort of counter this this love of quick, bold, hardy, so forth and so on? Well, you know, I'm not sure that that speed is the right measure that uh, we mm. should be judging decisions on. And look, a lot of it is fallacy that a quick decision is a good decision because a, a bad uh-huh. decision gets people fired as quickly as a good decision that was quick gets people praised. We just tend to look for evidence to support our belief that uh, it should be far, fast. But, uh, you know, I worry more about the strategy in which we're making decisions and oh, what tools we're applying when we're making decisions. And are we understanding and asking the right questions? You know, we when we work with entrepreneurs and, you know, large corporates, we say, well, what questions are we asking? Are we asking powerful questions? Are we asking questions that suppose an answer? Because we often do. You know, we, mm-hmm. we said to a group of entrepreneurs, can you imagine a restaurant? You know, what do we expect a restaurant to have if we're opening one? And right. uh, can you imagine a restaurant with no food? And they all went, well, that's ridiculous. <laughs> That's ridiculous. And we right, say, great, right. you have an assumption that a restaurant needs to have food. Now, what if we told you that there's a really successful restaurant set up in the middle of a fresh food market with master chefs who only cook the food that people buy themselves from around them? And what's one of the oh. biggest restaurants in running their business is food okay. wastage. Yeah, so, yeah. You know, if, we're not, if we're not sitting with the right questions, we're not arming ourselves to make the right decisions regardless of speed. And you know that very question you have asked is so the trap that all entrepreneurs fall into. It is product based, and the question they should be asking is customer uh, interest. And anyway, uh, I, that's it's just a thought. Uh, and ladies and gentlemen, uh, you're listening to the Art of the CEO Radio Show, streaming live from Blog Talk Radio. And we must, alas, we must pause for a moment. And since, we, because we have come to the midpoint of today's feast, so why not take time for a brief survey and allow me to introduce to you the company by whose good graces we are here today? And that firm is Prometheus Publishing, creator of, among other divisions, Bart's Books Ultimate Business Guides. And you may visit bartsbooks.com. 
That's B-A-R-T-S-B-O-O-K-S dot com. And explore a wide wealth of practical wisdom from business masters. And this very day, Prometheus Publishing would like to invite you to take a look at uh, one of the volumes in their store, So That's How They Do It. It's a clever little volume that has taken the top tactics of business masters uh, and the, the very ideas, the disciplines, the attitudes of those who've really mastered the challenge of business, and they have them rolled out for you, and you'll have... Here are some really fine ideas that directly apply to your own career or enterprise, or perhaps they can serve as sparks to your own innovations. So we enjoy you, we invite you to take a look at bartsbooks.com and pick up a copy of So That's How They Do It. And also, if you enjoy today's business quips and say, gee, I'd like to, to laugh a lot and have a bit of wisdom flung at me every week, we invite you to visit BartsBooks.com homepage, click on that little blue bell box, and subscribe absolutely free, and by the eternal enigma of email, you will receive uh, your laughter, wisdom, dose every week. So that's uh, one more thing that's available for, to you from Prometheus Publishing, BartsBooks.com. So, ladies and gentlemen, and those who are discovering September's innate call to exuberative labors, we are back with the Art of the CEO radio show on blogtalkradio.com and back with the marvelous mentors uh, who are going to weave us through the labyrinth of human behavior, Kieran Flanagan and Dan Gregory. Dan, my wife says that I, like Thomas Hobbes' Life in the Wild, am nasty, brutish, and short, and so Mm -hmm. I figure I must be kind of the perfect primal human candidate that you're speaking for. Does this mean that I'd make a good top-notch corporate leader? What do you think? <laughs> look, look, I think, Bart, she's acknowledging the magnificence of your humanity, and you should thank her for it. I, uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> oh, you'll do well in this world, man. <laughs> oh, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, look, I think, uh, I think the, the truth is we're all that at times. You know, we're all uh-huh. selfish, we're all scared, we're all stupid. And, and and equally, we also have moments of being bold and generous and, and intelligent. Um, and I think what we're saying is, let's actually have a look at who we are as, as an entire person. And, and, and part, of, part of the thing is, the reason we look at bold action, the reason we look at intelligent thought, the reason we look at, at, at generous contribution and we acknowledge that is because it is unusual, because it is outside the norms of our experience and that's precisely why those behaviors are are so admired and, and, and revered however I also think that we, we you know we also need to pay attention to to what sits uh, at, at, the, at the base of our survival brain which which is still driving most of our decision-making and by by failing to acknowledge that we actually uh-huh. undermine our capacity to lead to be influential and to be engaging with our staff you know the more we understand that just like us you know, the the people that work for us and the customers that buy for us are flawed human beings, and it's actually the entirety of the person that we should be acknowledging. That actually gives us power. Mm-hmm. Karen, do you have any kind of examples of this sort of act, uh, inadvertent mistreatment uh, of, of taking uh, into account just what Dan said, uh, the, the coming uh, the, in, in your... Uh, consulting life, you must have seen some people who were going at it with the best intentions but really sort of missed the mark. Do you have an example of something like that that you could share with us? Sure. Um, well, there's a couple. 
There's a couple of things. I mean, I think the first thing is interesting is obviously Gallup's workplace engagement study. Uh, I don't mm-hmm. know if you've seen the results of that. Tell us that over 50% of our staff are not engaged in the work that they do and over 20% yeah. are actively disengaged. So that means 70% right. of people who show up to work tomorrow in any corporation range from, I don't care about this job, it's just a job, <laughs> to I hate my job, I hate my job, I hate my job. And I think that to say there's one example uh, would then say, well, clearly that uh, research must be hugely flawed. I think the example of work as it sits today, you know, in every every touch point, corporations are trying to force fit human beings into behaviours that aren't natural. You know, we're homogenising our people. You know, they come in as individuals. They come in as unique people. And we apply homogeny to them. We say, be the same, do the same. You know, we, we judge right, them by right. time. You know, we, we expect time is a measure of performance versus results. Yeah. And what happens, great people who get the work done really quickly get a disproportionate work, workload. And then they stress out. They're burnt out. They check out. Uh, yeah, yeah, because yeah. Because we, we, instead of saying, well, you know, time's a measure... Because, again, well, if you're at your desk for 12 hours a day, you must be a great employee. You know, we see higher lazy people, higher smart lazy people, higher people who are smart enough to rethink the system. Because diligent doers who are unconscious are mentally lazy. You know, we all need to constantly rethink our work. So I think, you know, I, I don't want to point a finger at anyone in particular. I think oh, it's the corporate, <laughs> the corporate workplace is uh, is setting. Dan might point a finger at someone in particular. <laughs> Look, I think, that it's, <laughs> I think it's about designing, designing your structure and your strategy and your process for the behaviour that you want. I think that's that's what's critical. So an example of that is Coca Cola Corporation came to us and they said, guys, you know we you know we really want to encourage people to recycle, and okay. and so we, we we did some studies and we had a look and we and people came back and. And they said, yeah, logically, we believe recycling is a good thing to do. Emotionally, we're bought into the idea of saving the planet and protecting the future. So mm-hmm. they had logical buy-in. They had emotional buy-in. And so we set up recycling stations at the end of a shopping mall and waited for people to recycle. Right. And that's not what happened at all. <laughs> you know, people <laughs> didn't do what they said they would do. Amazing, right? Um, yes, yeah, right. And what yeah, we ended up I doing, can't imagine it. We, <laughs> I know, right? Crazy. We ended up moving the recycling station from the end of the mall and put uh-huh. it in, in near near the restaurants, near the food court inside the mall. So you almost oh, had to walk into the recycling station to get out. It became an obstacle. We we, we <laughs> right. painted them garish colours so they were impossible to miss. And recycling uh-huh. went through the roof. So we what we kind did of the was the same thing with our political candidates right now. But anyway, no, go ahead. <laughs> no, uh, it was no, too easy. <laughs> no, no, no. Yeah, that was a softball. I'm sorry. Yeah. No, no, actually, I, I don't want to. I don't want to lose what you're saying. You're saying something very interesting here, and I think it's great. So, so what we did was we realized that if we actually factor for the fact that people are selfish, scared, and stupid, and make it easy for them to do what we want them to, in fact, we made it hard for them not to do what we wanted to do, that creates right. a bias towards success and results. And that's what we're really talking about. It's how do you create a bias towards the outcome that you're looking to to, to generate? Oh, nice concept. Nice concept. I, I think that's true, that, that uh, because you cannot have uh, – so I think so many of us think that great leadership in and of itself is going to produce 
what we want, and it's sort of a disengaged thing that you know, if if I am a magnificently uh, admirable leader, that people will automatically flow like toothpaste back into the tube, and uh, well, they don't. Uh, but you yeah. talked about setting up a strategy for the people within who are, who are going to be encountering it, and that's that's really made it, um, um, as you can see, a much better situation. Much better. Yeah, and I think it's a, it's a measure of a of a good leader is someone who's who's not just someone who's charismatic and good at talking, but someone who's able to understand the people that they're looking to influence, and can actually create action around around a particular strategy you know we say your staff are your first customer you know they're not mm-hmm. staff mm-hmm. they're customers no. and you need them to buy it and you need to apply the same level of thinking to to their process and how they go about their days and and put them in the best position to deliver what you need to be delivered yeah and truly they are also may i add they are uh the ultimate spokesperson for your firm for for better or ill uh, Absolutely. And I, I, as we're coming, we're, I, I hate to say it, we're coming to an end, but uh, so, Kieran, if my company or my leaders need the kind of attitude adjustment that you and Dan are so expertly providing here, how might we get in touch with you and take a bite out of some of your wise counsel? Well, we'd love them to get in touch and tell them that they're selfish, scared, and stupid. I'm sure they're <laughs> going to stop. Sounds like my that, wife. Anyway, really go ahead. It's a good thing to be. Uh, they can uh, reach us at our website, which is theimpossibleinstitute.com. It's a little hard to type, so watch your spelling. Uh, or they can email us at info at theimpossibleinstitute.com. Okay. All righty. And uh, also, just on one more quick, how uh, how might they get a copy of your uh, enjoyable, helpful book, Selfish, Scared, and Stupid? Uh, well, that's that's terribly easy. Um, if they uh, uh, go to their favorite online book portal, whether that be Amazon.com or, or any of the others, they can uh, get Selfish, Scared, and Stupid there. Um, if they send us an email, info at theimpossibleinstitute.com, uh, we'll send them a free chapter from the book so they can try before they buy Oh, what a wonderful way to do it. What a wonderful day. Uh, well, I thank you both so much for coming on. I hope you've had as much fun as I have. This has been, this has been great. We have. <laughs> oh, well, good. Now, you've got to promise, you gotta promise that, that the, uh, the next time you're, you're in North America and sober that, that you'll come on our show. And um, so I thank you both. And ladies and gentlemen, as we round out today's show, allow me to leave you with today's business quotation in honor of our featured guest today, who said, my sickness is that I'm fascinated by human behavior, by what's underneath the surface, by the world's inside people. And hint, like all behaviorists, this man is sometimes a pirate. And remember, if you know uh, the author of this quote, just send the... uh, name of that person to info at bartsbooks.com to an absolutely astounding life-changing gift from the dungeons of Bart's Books Bookstore. And finally, as a parting shot in the words of my wife's husband, if you want to manage people, you will undoubtedly fail. But if you really like folks and you want to lend a hand in setting free their many abilities, well, son, 
You may just have found yourself a successful career. So, to all my faithful and playful listeners, I hope you've enjoyed the art of the CEO as as much as Dan and Kieran and I have enjoyed bringing it to you. And remember, you may download this and all our episodes at Blog Talk by going to blogtalkradio.com slash the art of the CEO. And next week, do tune in to Blog Talk Radio, the art of the CEO, to hear immigration attorney Michael Wilds take us through uh, one of the most difficult business marketing challenges, how do you market legal services? How do you market law? Uh, tune in and find out. Ladies and gentlemen, as always, it has been a privilege. I thank you. <laughs>